right, let me get to my notes. I thought I was in my notes, and it turns out that I was going to preach to you the sermon that I preached last week, which <laughs> you do not want, so give me, a, give me a second here. What a deal, huh? Get on, get on board, Levi. What are you doing here? Okay. Caleb, come back up. You want to lead us through another one, Cale? That was solid. That was a solid set this morning. Here we go. Psalm 107. I'd like to tell you I can do it without notes, but I can't. <laughs> I spent a lot of time writing my notes. Okay. So, my, uh, my daughter, she is going into kindergarten, and her grandma asked her when school starts. And she said, at the end of summer... And she's not realizing that the end of summer is coming rather quickly. Um, So I don't know if you know this or not, but we've been in a summer series together. We've entitled it Summer in the Psalms. And I don't know if you've caught the tagline or not. I think it's on our next slide, perhaps. The Summer in the Psalms. If not, I'll give it to you. We've entitled it Summer in the Psalms, Breezing Through the Emotions of Life. Breezing Through the Emotions of Life. Our hope going through the Psalms here during this summer was to help us learn and understand that the emotions that sometimes catch us off guard do not catch God off guard and do not offend Him. You see, we here at Crossroads believe that we were made by God. That means that that He knows how we work, He knows how we're supposed to work, and mostly we work how he intended us to work, for the most part. Obviously, if you've studied any of Scripture or know anything about Christianity, we believe that this thing happened which we call the fall, right? It's where Adam and Eve decided to, to, worship, or, or to worship and obey or listen to Satan rather than obey God. And because of that, sin entered, entered into this world, and, uh, and things Things don't always work the way that they're supposed to. But at our core, at our core, we were created in the image of God. And for the most part, we work as God intends. Sometimes our emotions are a little off kilter. We, we get a little out of whack. Things get out of balance. But you and I were created as human beings. We're, we were created with a capacity to feel, a capacity to love, and a capacity to have rich and meaningful relationships. And we believe that the book of the Psalms, perhaps more than any other book in the Bible, gives us a template or a guideline guideline of sorts for how to process all of life's emotions. How in the world are we supposed to handle all of the feels of life? And that's what, if the book of Psalms had a tagline, I think that's what it would say. The Psalms, how the people of God deal with all the feels. How the people of God deal with all of the feels. And so throughout this summer, we've tried to look at some different emotions and how to navigate them as a person or a child of the king, a child of King Jesus. This morning, we're not going to look at a specific feeling per se, but we're going to look at something that has a capacity to bring about lots of feelings. And that thing we're going to look at this morning is called hardship. Hardship. If you're a word nerd like myself, You may have thought about the word happy a little bit last week. We were talking about joy, and we were talking about what joy is. And joy and happiness are related, but they're not necessarily the same thing. If you were with us last week, you'll remember that we said joy is a relational word. 
At its core definition, joy is a feeling that we get when we're with someone that we love who is happy to be with us. That's what joy is. And because it's relational, joy can be experienced no matter what we're going through in life. Chances are, if you're joyful, you're also usually happy, but maybe not. And that's because happiness, if you look at that English word, happiness comes from the root word of happenings. What's happening in our life? And happiness is generally tied, if good things are happening in our life, then we're happy, right? We, we get married, we go to a wedding, we have a baby, we go on vacation, and we're usually happy because there are good happenings in our life. But when hardships come, hardships tend to make us not very happy, right? And so I simply want to spend this, this morning with you thinking through hardships in general and more than that. I want to ask the question as we read Psalm 107, how do the people of God, how do people who have been redeemed by Jesus face hardships? How do we face hardships and can we do so with joy and maybe even happiness? With that, I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 107 this morning. As you're turning there or swiping there to your own Bible, and please make it a habit of doing that. I know I'm going to put it up on the screen, but I want you to have the scripture in front of you. So you can double check me and make sure that what I put up on the screen is what God put into his word. So make a habit of getting the Bible out in front of you. And as you do, as you're pulling out Psalm 107, we're going to read it in a second. As we read it, I want you to be on the lookout for four different groups of people. As we read, I want you to be on the lookout for four different groups of people. I want you to ask the question, who are they? What are they dealing with? How do they respond and how does God respond? I want you to be on the lookout for people who are lost, for wanderers in a barren land. Be on the lookout for rebels, prisoners of war, those held captive by their disobedience. Look out also for the fool, those who are suffering in life because of poor choices that they've made. And lastly, look for the slave of industry, those running themselves ragged, trying to get ahead in life that they cannot control in a life that they cannot control. Look for these people. Look at what happens to them. Look at how they respond. And look at how God responds as well. You got it? All right, we're going to read it together. Psalm 107. Psalm 107, starting in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. If you were with us last week, you'll be reminded of the command to enter into God's courts with praise. The psalmist in verse 1 here is confirming what we discussed last week. If we want to connect with God and enter into His presence, then we need to turn our relational brain circuits on. We do that best by practicing gratitude, appreciation, joy. Some of you picked up the little booklet that we gave on, on how to do that at regular intervals throughout the day for five minutes. It's to connect with the Lord. I believe the psalmist starts with some joy building here because he knows that without a glad-to-be-with-you relationship with God, if we don't feel connected to God and know that He is glad to be with us, then the wisdom that He is going to drop on us here this morning is going to be a tough pill to swallow. And so He invites us. Come into God's courts with joy. And so before we get things going here, I would like to remind you this morning That if you are in Jesus, God is glad to be with you. He is. I actually want to invite you to say this with me. You can say what's on the screen with me. You ready? 
If you're in Jesus, you can say this in truth. I am a child of God, and God is glad to be with me. All right, and now I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them, next screen, you are a child of God, and God is glad to be with you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Thank you for humoring me. It's important, though. One of the reasons that we gather together is to remind one another because we are so forgetful of the truth. And the truth is, if you are in Jesus, God really is glad to be with you. And now, I want to quiet our hearts this morning for a minute. So would you close your eyes? I want you to close your eyes. And in your mind, I want you to give the Lord some thanks for the grace that he has given to you in Jesus. Give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Thank him for coming to you in Jesus. Thank you for, thank him for choosing to be glad to be with you because of Jesus. Thank him for saving you even while you still struggle with sin. While sometimes you're foolish. Thank him for pursuing you with his never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your enduring, faithful love. Thank you for redeeming all of us in Jesus, for pulling us up and out of our sin for rescuing us from the hand of the enemy, from death, from destruction, from the grave. Amen. Amen. You can open your eyes. Back to our psalm. Our psalm says, Give thanks to the Lord, as we just did, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. Here are the four groups. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So, He subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no help then. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. For He breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered 
affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Some went out on ships in, on seas in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord, and in their trouble, he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He, being God, turned rivers into desert, flowing springs into a thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who lived there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they found a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased and he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He he who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Amen. I love this psalm. I love how it's structured. I love, the, love the, the repetition. You all are bright. You probably heard it. Did you see the four different types of people? First, we were introduced to the lost. Those who are said to be wandering through life as through a desert. They're looking for what? If you have the psalm in front of you, you'll see it. They're looking for a city. For a community in which to dwell, a community that they can belong to, but they've not been able to find it. They're lost. They're confused, wandering, struggling to find themselves, struggling, I would say, to find their identity. Struggling to answer the question, who am I? Who are my people? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? They are hungry and thirsty for someone to show them the way. They're facing hardship. I would say they're facing the hardship of an identity crisis. Church, doesn't this sound like a large group of people in our culture today? Lost? 
looking for an identity in a cultural desert. What defines me? Who am I? Who are my people? Our culture says, in answer to that question, lots of things. Who am I? You are your sexuality. You're your gender identity. You're your favorite sports team. You are your hobbies. You are your wealth. You are your career, your occupation. All of those things leave us feeling dry and empty if that's all we are, don't they? That's because you and I, we're more than our jobs. We're more than our stuff. We are so much more than our sexuality. We're more than our masculine or feminine characteristics. We are more than our politics. Friend, are you lost in searching this morning for an identity? Looking for some place to belong, a city in which to dwell? Stop looking within. Stop looking to our culture. Turn to God. He has a people for you. He has what your hungry and thirsty heart craves, an identity as a child of the king. A child of the king based on the finished work of Jesus. As the psalm says, let us give thanks to God who leads us into a city, who leads us into a people, into a city out from the desert of culture and meaningless identity, into the throne room of God as a child of the king who is amply clothed and well fed. Are you lost in facing the hardship of an identity crisis? This hardship is an opportunity to humble yourself before the God of heaven and experience his power to save. This hardship is an opportunity to experience the joy of being saved by a God who is so glad to be with you because of Jesus Christ. The next group, the next group we see in the psalm, if you have the psalm in front of you, you'll see the text. The next group discussed experience hardships not because of lostness or confusion, but because of rebellion. Rather than heeding the words of God and obeying his commands, rather than viewing God's commands as being life-giving, rather than, than trusting in the goodness of our God, this group, they are rebels. They're rebels who view God as holding out of them, holding out on them. The rebels who view God's commands as being burdensome and robbing them of life and fun. And so, because they view God as holding out, because they think God can't, tr- can't be trusted, because they don't know that God is glad to be with them, they rebel and they disobey the Lord. And because of their disobedience, they experience bondage and prison, hardship. The Lord allows these rebels to reap the hardship that they have sown into. As I was writing this, I thought of a verse. I had to Google it. Hosea 8, 7. says, They sow the wind, and therefore they shall reap the whirlwind. How often, loved ones, have you questioned the goodness of God in your life? How often have you wondered, is God holding out on me? Can I trust him? 
Is his word really best? How often have you run run headlong into sin because you thought God didn't know what he was talking about, because he was holding out on you? How often have you failed to obey, or worse yet, sorry, how often have you failed to obey, not because you didn't know, but because you did know and you didn't want to do what God wanted you to do? You didn't care. I I know what your word says, Lord, but I don't care. I don't trust you. How often have you willingly given way to temptation, saying no to God and yes to sin, only to find yourself further in darkness than you ever intended to go, in bondage, held captive to your rebellion, feeling hopeless with no way to get out. You're addicted. You're stuck. The Lord invites you this morning to stop your disobedience. Stop running from him. Come back. Come home. Like the prodigal son eating from the pig trough, come to your senses. Run back to the Father and be free. Cry out to the Lord in your trouble, in your hardship, the hardship of your own making. Cry out to the Lord in your trouble, and he will save you from your distress. He will bring you out of darkness and he will break the chains of your bondage. This hardship you're facing from your rebellion, from your disobedience, it's an opportunity to humble yourself before the God of heaven and experience his power to save. This hardship is an opportunity to experience the joy of being saved by a God who is so glad to be with you in Jesus Christ. Isn't the gospel beautiful? Doesn't matter if you're confused and lost and in hardship because of your confusion. Doesn't matter if you're in hardship because of your rebellion. The Lord invites you in Jesus to cry out to him and promises to save you from your distress. You say, well, what if we make decisions because we don't know any better? Because of ignorance. Look with me at the fool next. Next we see the fool. The person is facing hardship in life, not due to willful rebellion, not because they know better and just don't care. No, they're ignorant. Calamity has visited them due to poor life decisions. Decisions made without consulting the Lord, without pausing to pray, without knowing enough of Scripture, spending time studying God's Word, consulting with God's people, or consulting the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. We've run headlong and made a decision quickly without giving the Lord an opportunity to speak into our life. And because of that, we've run into hardship. Who here among us hasn't been here? We are so quick to follow the wisdom of the world in so many things. Things like finances, things like planning our schedules. We're quick to conform to the culture which just says, just charge it. You want it? Feels good to buy it? Just charge it. Figure out how to pay for it later. Rather than heeding the wisdom of the Lord who tells us in Proverbs 22.7, the borrower is slave to the lender. We're quick to allow our culture, social media, schools, coaches, TV, Every other person in life except the Lord, we're so quick to follow the crowd when it comes to setting our schedules. Rather than heeding the words of God, 
He tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, choose your friends wisely. It means consider who you're hanging out with. Consider how you organize your schedule, who you're going to be around. Consider it wisely. Why? Because bad company corrupts good character. Who here among us hasn't made a poor choice in life simply because we didn't know? We didn't remember what God's word has to say. Who in here didn't stop long enough sometimes in life to simply ask the Lord to give us some guidance into the matter at hand? A purchase? An opportunity? Should I do this or that? Lord, guide, direct me. Who here has just mindlessly coasted through life, letting the world, the media, again, all of the culture that we're surrounded by, letting them set our schedule, set our agenda, set our time, tell us how to organize our finances, just coasted through life, letting everyone else determine that for us rather than asking the Lord what he might have to say about it. We've all been here, myself included. Hear the beauty of the gospel this morning to those facing hardship due to foolishness and ignorance. God doesn't think you're stupid. He's not upset with you for your poor choices. He's not demanding that you clean it up before you can come back into his good graces. It's not too late. Cry out to the Lord in your trouble, and he will save you from your distress. This hardship you're facing because of your foolishness is an opportunity to humble yourself before the God of heaven and experience his power to save. This hardship is an opportunity to experience the joy of being saved by a God who is glad to be with you in Jesus Christ. And lastly, we see the slaves of industry. These are the folks who might know God or they might not. We're not told. They might know God, they they might not. They're folks who in their everyday lives, they're industrious. They are hardworking. When they do know God, the church loves these people. I love these people. They're awesome. They're servants. They never stop. They're constantly just busting it, working, running, hard charging, making something of themselves. No time to rest. No time to rest because if they're worldly, there's money to be made and they're good at making it. And if they're churchy, there's souls that need saving and there's work that needs to be done and ministry tasks and sign me up and sign me up, I'll volunteer. You need people in the children's ministry, you need people for slides and sound, you need people to drive cars, sign me up, I'm ready to go. There's souls that need to be saving. No time to rest. Stuff that needs done. Too much work to be done. There's a lot to commend about these folks. No one can say they're lazy. The world and the church love these people, and honestly, they're usually pretty successful. But look at the text with me this morning. What I want you to see is it doesn't matter how hard, you, how hard working you are, life has a way of bringing hardship anyways. No matter how much you strive to control your life and order your life, you are not God. Hardship will visit our door and our courage will melt, and we will reel and stagger through life like a drunkard on the deck of a ship in a storm. We can't control Mother Nature. 
honestly, we can't control much. We can make it look like we're under control, but we're not. Some of us think we don't need sleep, but we do. Why? Because you and I are dust. Here for a moment. Gone tomorrow. Like a little dandelion in the wind. If we persist in working so hard without rest, relying on our own willpower and strength, eventually hardship will visit our door and our well will run dry. But the beauty of the gospel tells us that there is rest to be had. We can learn to sleep soundly only when we learn to cry out to the God who never does sleep. Only when we learn to humble ourselves and cry out to the God who controls all the things we cannot, then we can cease from our endless striving and discover the joy of resting with the God who controls all things and, what, is glad to be with you. Hardship for the hard-driving, for the hard-striving person is an opportunity to humble ourselves and experience the joy and rest of being saved by the God who is glad to be with us. Here's the truth and wisdom of this psalm. Psalm 107, verse 43. Whoever is wise, are you wise this morning? Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. You see, friends, God uses life. He uses all things for the good of those who have been called according to his purposes. He lovingly uses hardship to bring us all to our wit's end. And if, and only if, we will learn to cry out to him in our trouble, he will save us from our distress. To those who persist in their proud wandering, unwilling to turn to God, this psalm shows us that he brings even more hardship, not because he's spiteful, but because he's loving. And he hopes that they will come to their senses, that they will turn to him and cry out to him, humble themselves before him. And it doesn't matter why or how they got themselves into the hardship. I love this so much. Don't miss it. It doesn't matter how you got into your hardship. If you're confused about who you are and look into all the wrong sources and you're facing hardship because of it, it doesn't matter. If you're a rebel who knows what you should do but doesn't care enough yet to do what you know you ought to do because you, you don't know God well enough yet and you're in hardship, it doesn't matter if you are a fool here this morning who is ignorant of God's word and making poor life decisions and you are in hardship. It doesn't matter if you got it all together and you're successful and you're working and everybody says, man, I want you on my team because you're so successful and hardworking and then hardship visits your life. It doesn't matter how the hardship comes. What the gospel tells you is that when it comes, you have a God in heaven who desperately loves you and is so glad to be with you in that trouble and pull you out of your distress. 
if you will come to him. Wes asked me this morning, what are you going to preach on? I said, I don't have that profound of a message this morning. It's simple. God invites us to cry out to him when bad things happen. And he promises to be with us, to be there for us, to lift us out of whatever it is we're going through in a way that we can have joy. Simply, turn to God in your hardship and he'll save you. That's the invitation, church. That's the beauty of the gospel. As I was writing this, I was reminded of Jesus' words. Ironic, right? Matthew 5. Listen to him. It says in another way what we've been hearing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Before whom? Before the God of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? For they will be comforted. By who? The God of heaven. Blessed are the meek, the humble. Blessed are those who turn to God. Why? For they will inherit the earth. Not the powerful, not the political, the meek, the humble, who love and serve and turn to God in hardship. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for more stuff or an identity in the world or you name it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not the American dream, not for their politician in office, for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We could flip that. Blessed are you who have been shown mercy in Jesus Christ, for you will show mercy to others. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Why? Because you turned to the God of heaven in your hardship of sin, and he saved you from your distress through the gospel of Jesus and made peace with you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. They persecute you. They falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus, the God who is glad to be with us. He says rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. Friend, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning. You and I, we are not immune to hardship. But if you are in Jesus, he has turned all and every hardship in your life, whether it was of your own doing or his, Jesus has made every hardship in your life an opportunity to cry out to God and experience the blessings and the joy of being saved by him who is glad to be with you and has shown you mercy in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. It's going to sound weird, but Lord, I'm going to thank you for the hardships you allow into our life. I do not like them. None of us do. But I am thankful that in your sovereignty, in your power, and in your grace, 
There is no thing in our life that does not pass through your hands. And there is no thing that we face in our life that is out of your control. I thank you, Lord, that you invite me, that you invite us to come to an end of ourselves. I thank you for the invitation you give each and every one of us to rest. Father, when we're facing hardship, I pray against the condemnation of the enemy that wants to heap uh, heap accusations upon us, tell us how bad we are, how much we don't deserve to be a Christian, or how much we don't deserve to be loved, or we shouldn't be a part of church, because if they only knew, and all of the things, I pray that you would silence the enemy in Jesus' name. I pray that your voice would be the loudest voice we hear, and you remind us of the gospel. It doesn't matter why we're facing the hardship. If we're in one, because of Jesus, you invited us to cry out to you. And through the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit, you have promised to save us from our trouble and our distress. Help us to see hardships, Lord, as an opportunity to humble ourselves before you and experience the joy of being saved by the King who is always glad to be with us. We love you, Father. Lord knows it's not enough. Thank you that Jesus did all of the work required. It's in your name we pray. For your glory and our joy. Amen. Let's stand and sing.